G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. In life, there can be actions and reactions, or actions and chain reactions. And as we continue in 2 Corinthians, we're going to learn that God's comfort can spread very quickly. Our series is entitled, Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse audio commentary. We're looking at passage 7, or chapter 7, verses 12 to 16. And in chapter 7, 12 to 16, we have a very simple title, Comforted in Your Comfort. It actually says that in chapter 7, verse 13, therefore, we were comforted in your comfort. Now, that is a good chain reaction. But how does it all begin? First of all, what is written in this epistle of 2 Corinthians was not just written to the Corinthian church of the first century AD. It is also applicable and relevant for the universal church in the 21st century AD. Even though this is an intensely, indeed the most intensely personal epistle that Paul has written out of 13 epistles of the New Testament, but it still applies to the church at large. And that's why it's part of our Bible, and the Holy Spirit made sure that it was included in the canon of Scripture. But verse 13 is the classic. It says, Therefore we were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. Now, this is where we have body dynamics, or the body of Christ. Titus is sent by Paul to Corinth to both correct as well as to comfort. Titus does exactly that. When Titus showed up on the doorstep of the Corinthian church, they were comforted by his very presence. And he came and he ministered the truth, but he did so in love. Once that happened, they repented, and therefore Titus comforted them in the things of God. They comforted Titus because his message had been received. You know, as a preacher, it's always heartwarming to see that people respond positively to the word of God that comes from you. So, they are comforted, Titus is comforted, and then Titus reports these Good tidings to Paul, who, of course, is the spiritual father of this church. When he hears that most of the Corinthians had repented of their sin, he is also comforted as well. Titus, and for that matter, Paul, were in a position of what we call empathy. They put themselves in the place 
of the Corinthians. They stood in their shoes. They spoke to them the way they would want to be spoken to. They received the results they wanted to, namely repentance and comfort, and now they're comforted as well. Empathy, rightly used, is a powerful communication tool that will win people over. Which then leads us to the fact that Paul is boasting. Now, boasting normally is very obnoxious and offensive when people boast how great they are and the great things they have. But it's a different story when you boast what God is doing and what is happening in the lives of others. That is a very heartwarming and edifying situation. So Paul is practicing those things. He is boasting in the Corinthians as well as in God himself. And from all this, you have what is called growing affection. Titus has affection for the church at Corinth. This is enhanced by his visit to them. They received him with fear and trembling, and they responded the right way with repentance, godly sorrow and repentance. Therefore, their reception response to Titus showed they were on track with the Lord. And all of this, of course, means that Titus becomes all the more fonder of them. This leads to the last verse, which says, 2 Corinthians seven sixteen. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. That's Paul speaking. So Paul gives them more affirmation for this reason, because they were responsive and penitent. Paul is confident that they will do the right thing and the godly thing. Let's read the passage now. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 to 16. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 12 to 16. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for his cause that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Therefore, we were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. For if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed." But as we spake all things to you in truth, even so our boasting, which I made before Titus, is found a truth. And his inward affection is more abundant toward you, whilst he remembereth the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling ye received him. I rejoice, therefore, that I have confidence in you in all things. This is Second Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 to 16. All right. This lesson is called Comforted in Your Comfort. This is one wonderful, godly chain reaction. They're comforted. Paul's comforted. They're comforted more. Paul's comforted more. We, down the track, receive all this comfort with dividends. Beginning with verse 12, written for all. So, Paul didn't write the epistle just for the person who did what was wrong and not for the person who suffered the wrong, but that their care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. So basically, as I said, in this intensely personal epistle and this intensely personal chapter of this epistle, Paul speaks about his motivation for writing the Corinthian epistles in the first place. He didn't write the Corinthian epistles simply to convict the wrongdoer, nor did he write it for the sake of the victims of the wrongdoer. No, the reason he wrote these epistles, and in fact all the epistles that are part of the canon of the New Testament, is that his intense love and care for the church might be made manifest to them in the sight of God. In other words, this epistle was written for everyone. 
and indeed it is. Furthermore, this epistle is written to show that God cared for this church and loved this church, and he did so through his servant Paul, because Paul makes it very clear that he cares and loves this church very much, similar to a father loving his children. And that's an indescribable situation unless you're actually walking in those shoes, but there's nothing like parental love, and for that matter, (laughs) there's nothing like grandparental love, too. That love was made manifest in this epistle, and this epistle is given for the church at large. So we can see that the same God that loved the Corinthian church by Paul is the same God that loves the universal church today in the 21st century through Paul and through all the servants of God. Now we get to, in a sense, the key passage of this lesson. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 13. Therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. What an amazing verse. We're comforted when you're comforted. This is empathy, putting yourself in the room or place of another. You rejoice with those that rejoice, and you weep with those that weep, which is said in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Indeed, one of the traits of Christian maturity and friends, the sooner we can mature, the better off we, the church, and the community will be. There's too much collective immaturity in our world today. People not taking their responsibility and therefore pressing, or as it were, presenting more burdens and more pressure on everyone else. Isn't it annoying when somebody doesn't pull their weight and so everyone else has to work harder to compensate? It's really an outlandish situation, particularly when that person should be pulling their weight and making a contribution. Empathy puts us in the shoes of another. We feel what they feel and we rejoice when they rejoice. Here, the apostle says that when the Corinthians are comforted, he is also comforted. When Titus visited Corinth and rejoiced because of his spirit being refreshed in the Corinthians, then the apostles rejoiced with him. Even today, empathy, when it's used in the right way, is an incredibly powerful tool that wins people over to the cause. Now, one of the, and I I use this example very advisedly, but it really hopefully will get the point across. And my desire to get through the point is so intense that I'm willing to use what would be considered a polarizing and controversial example. During the U.S. presidential election of 1992, the contender or challenger was Bill Clinton and the uh, incumbent was George H.W. Bush, the incumbent president. Bill Clinton unseated an incumbent president. That is not an easy thing to do. Normally, in the United States, if a person is in office, they have to work pretty hard to get out of office when they're up for re-election. Well, it happened. It happened in 1980 with Jimmy Carter. It happened in 1992 with George H.W. Bush. All the more remarkable is that the challenger who won the presidency in 1992, Bill Clinton, He came from an obscure state, he was not well-known nationally, and he had lots of scandals. In fact, his own words, he had more baggage than an ocean liner. Yet, Clinton had a very, very good political skill. This is no endorsement or condemnation, I'm simply saying what happened. How did he win this election? And he won the election, I'm sure, because of his political skill in 
empathy. He had a phrase, I feel your pain. And one of the moving imagery that helped him win that election is when he had a debate with President Bush on television. And an African-American woman was talking at the microphone and answering questions and telling her story about suffering. What Clinton did, and this is the power of empathy, is he asked the woman to explain why she's suffering currently under the economy in President Bush's day. What he did was really good theater. He takes off his watch, puts it on the podium, as if to imply, I have all the time in the world to hear your story. And then he takes, I think, a step or two towards the woman. This imagery spoke volumes. And at the same time, President Bush, who did actually speak to the woman and definitely tried to show that he was interested in her story, he was nervous. And the camera caught him while she was speaking, staring at his watch. And Clinton won the election. Again, I am not endorsing or condemning, but I'm telling that when you have the skill of empathy, and others do it too, where we have a famous Christian TV personality, they show empathy. They've got a big following. Of course, we had Oprah Winfrey that was on the air for years. I've never actually watched an Oprah program, just little clips here or there, but I do know that people followed her like mad because Again, there was this I feel your pain saga. Now, as Christians, we want to do this properly. We want to be sincere. We want to be honest. We want to be humble. We want to be absolutely and utterly genuine. Empathy is important. Weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice. That reference is Romans 12, 15. So, I just mentioned these very public examples that the skill of empathy can win over so many. And we need to exhibit it more and more. I mean, after all, people in the world can do it. How much more should the church, especially when it is mandated by the Holy Scriptures itself? All right, we move on to 2 Corinthians 7, verse 14. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. What are we learning here? Paul was not ashamed of the boasting made to Titus, made about the Corinthian church, for the simple reason that it was all true. Remember, the apostle is not boasting about himself. He is boasting in what God does to and for others. Really, it is only boasting that is acceptable for God and man is to speak about the Lord or others and not about oneself. Not just in boasting, but in all things, Paul has spoken to the church in truth. And friends, how desperately we need truth today. Uncompromised, untampered, undefiled truth. Because deceit, lying, half-truths, spin, and mendacity have the capacity to destroy people. Full stop. Listen to this pithy proverb. Proverb 19, verse 9. Proverbs 19, 9. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. I'll repeat that. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. Proverbs 19 and verse 9. Now, I don't think anything can be clearer. We do need the truth, and we need it more than ever before. That's why it is so important that we abide in truth, because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God's Word are the coordinates of truth. They are the triad of truth. And you have these three in your life, you're safely 
on truth's territory. And truth will set you free. Lies will not just put you into bondage. Lies will destroy you. As it says, he who speaks lies shall perish. Praise God, we are on the winning side. Verse 15, it says, And his inward affection is more abundant toward you, whilst he remembereth the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling ye received him. So Titus's affection for the church at Corinth was greatly enhanced by his visit to them. They received him with fear and trembling, and they responded with repentance. So they were comforted by his coming, but they were also knocking at the knees like, what does he want and what is he going to do? Therefore, their reception and response to Titus showed they were on track with the Lord. And hence, because they listened to the Lord through Titus, his affection towards them only increased. That leads us, of course, to the final verse of this lesson, 2 Corinthians 7, 16. I rejoice, therefore, that I have confidence in you in all things. Paul gives more affirmation to the Corinthians for this reason. Because they responded well, because they repented, because they received Titus in the way that they should have, since most of them did the right thing, Paul says, look, Despite your carnal, wobbly initial start, I see that you have improved greatly, and therefore I have confidence that you will do the right thing and that you will do the godly thing now and always. You know, people will rise up to the level of expectation. If you only think they can do a little or they're not going to do anything at all, that's probably what you'll get. But when you sincerely affirm with the evidence that they've shown thus far that they're going to continue to do what is right, then they will seek to live up to that standard. Our lesson has been called Comforted in Your Comfort. And our lesson for life is that it is comforting to see people comforted, but even more so when they respond to the Word of God. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. And you can Go to our homepage and sign up for the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles on Scripture, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you that when others are comforted, rejoicing, or sorrowful, we can do likewise. Help us to mature, to show godly empathy, to be part of your solution of helping people come to the full measure and stature of Christ rather than being part of the carnal problem. So thank you for your comfort, your Holy Spirit, your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.